This is the Torah portion for Sunday of Parshas Shoftim, the portion of Judges. So the first verse begins, verse 18. Judges and officers you should appoint in all your cities, which God gives you for all your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. So Rashi says, judges and officers, what's the difference? A judge is one who's passing judgment, and the officer is one who enforces the judgment. It says in all your gates, you should have these judges, which Rashi says means in every city. For the tribes, which Rashi says means every tribe has its own gates, so it has its own judges. So in every city, as per each tribe, there are the judges. And they should judge the people, appoint expert and righteous judges to judge righteously. The next verse, you should not pervert the judgment, you should not take notice of someone's presence, you should not take a bribe, for the bribe will blind the eyes of the wise and make righteous words crooked. So don't pervert the judgment, meaning, Raji says exactly as it sounds, because it seems like a double expression, don't pervert the judgment, and don't take notice of someone. So Raji says the first phrase, don't pervert the judgment, means exactly what it sounds. The second phrase, not take notice of someone, Rashi says means during the time when both parties are presenting their claims, the judge has to be careful not to be pleasant to one and harsh to the other, not to have one stand and the other sit, because if the person sees what's happening, that his fellow litigant is being given all this honor, it's not he's going to be blocked. He won't be able to express clearly his own points. Don't take bribes, Rashi says, even to judge righteously. Meaning, why does Rashi say this? Because the first opening words of this verse said, don't pervert the judgment. So obviously if someone was taking a bribe to pervert judgment, that was already said. So what type of bribe are you taking here? So here the judge is saying, I know who's guilty, I know who's innocent. Taking the bribe to lie in my pocket a little. I'm only judging what I already know is correct. But the verse says, no. Why can't you take the bribe if, you're, if you know it's correct? Because the bribe will blind these eyes. So Rashi explains that even though you think you're going to judge honestly, but once you have this bribe, it's just impossible to not look at the case differently and see things in favor of the person who gave you the bribe. So it says that the, the bribe will blind the eyes of the wise and make righteous the words of the crooked. So Raj explains this means words that are true. But once you have the bribe, something's going to become crooked. So the Mepharshim comment that this shows we're talking about someone who's trying to judge righteously. Because if you were tr- if you were saying, listen, whoever gives me the bigger bribe wins, then what do you care if your eyes are blinded and your words are crooked? You know that you're taking a bribe. You don't care. So obviously here we mean someone who does care and who doesn't want his eyes to be blinded and his words to become crooked. The next verse. Righteousness, righteousness shall you pursue so that you will live and take possession of the land that God gives you. Meaning, 
Rashi says, what does this verse mean? Look for an honest, good court, meaning you're allowed to go to any court, but this verse is saying that you should look for the best one. In order that you will live and take possession of the land, the Rashi says this shows us that in the merit of appointing the correct judges, this is enough to keep the Jewish people in Israel. The next verse. Don't plant an Asherah, a tree of idol worship, near the Mizbeach, the altar of God, that you should make for yourself. So this is a prohibition against planting the Asherah, the idol tree, meaning we already have been commanded not to worship it, but here, even before anyone worships it, the planting of the tree already is a problem, is a transgression. Don't plant it near the altar of God, so this is saying that anyone that plants a tree or builds a house, any wooden structure near the Temple Mount is transgressing this prohibition. In other words, the verse is saying you can't plant yourself a tree for idol worship anywhere or any tree, even that for idol worship. You can't plant near God's altar. The next verse, and don't make for yourself a matseva, a type of pillar which God hates. A matseva means a pillar of a single stone to bring offerings on it, even to bring offerings to God. which he hates. So God commanded us to make an altar of stones, an altar of earth. But this matseva, this single stone altar, he hates. Why does he hate it? Because it was a custom of the Canaanim to use this for idolatry. So originally in the time of our forefathers, in the time of the patriarchs, they used this and they served God on it. But now, after all these years of the Kenanim using it for idols, he hates it. It just became too much connected to idolatry. You can't use it for God. The next verse, which is starting a new chapter. You can't slaughter for God any animal, an ox or a lamb, where there's any blemish. This is an abomination for God. Meaning, this is a prohibition for someone who slaughters an offering, intending, is called pigul. Pigul means that you're slaughtering an offering, you're intending, as you're slaughtering it, you're intending to eat it or to place its blood on the altar after the time the Torah says you're allowed to. So you didn't do anything yet. This is just in your head. But if in your head you already have these bad intentions, this offering becomes called pigul. And pigul cannot be in, and pigul cannot be offered. And our verse is adding that if a person causes an animal to become pigul by his thoughts, he's violating commandment, besides the fact that he can't eat it, besides the fact that he can't offer it. The fact that you took an animal and you made it pigul through your bad intentions, 
this already is a prohibition. And Rashi says that this is a warning for someone who causes pigle through bad speech. So pigle is caused by improper intent, which is expressed verbally. The next verse. If there is found among you in your cities a man or woman who commits what is evil in the eyes of God by violating his covenant. So Rashi explains this violation of covenant means idolatry. Because God made a covenant with us not to worship idols. Now obviously the entire Torah is a covenant between the Jewish people and God. But based on the context we understand that it means here specifically that specific covenant of idolatry. As the verse continues, the next verse, the third one says, and he will go and serve the gods of others and prostrate himself to them or to the sun or the moon or the hosts of the heavens which I have not commanded. So we understand it's talking about here about idolatry. What are those which I have not commanded? Rashi says, which I have not commanded to worship then. In other words, otherwise it would mean I have not commanded to bring them into existence. Verse continues, and it'll be told to you, and you should hear, and you should investigate well, and behold, if it is true, the matter is well founded, this abomination was done in Israel. Well founded means that you cross-examine the witnesses, Rashi says, and all the testimonies align, meaning the witnesses do not contradict each other. Next verse, then you should remove that man or that woman who did this evil thing in your cities, and they will die by stoning. Now the question here, Rashi is looking at the word, the word in the verse is literally, you should, it says you should bring this person to your gates. And then you should stone them, they will die. So what does the word gates mean, Rashi says? And there's two options we could think. It may mean the gate of the city where they sinned. There could mean the gate of the city where they're being judged. But Rashi explains it means the gates of the cities where they sinned because, now this is the fifth verse in this chapter, but if we go back to the second verse, it says there it uses the same term of gates. If it's found in one of your gates, meaning one of your cities, a person who's doing this transgression of idolatry. So now when we talk about bringing them to the gates, meaning the cities, it must be that same gate, the city there they sinned in, and not the city necessarily where they were judged. Next verse. By the word of two witnesses or three witnesses shall the condemned person be put to death. He should not be put to death by the word of a single witness. So Rashi's question is, why does it say two or three? In other words, normally... For everything in Jewish law, basically, we need two witnesses to make the testimony valid. So we know we need two. So I say two or three. What am I gaining by the third? So Rashi is saying, just as two create one testimony, you need two witnesses for one unit of testimony to judge a person, to convict a person. So too, the three becomes one unit. Meaning, 
for these witnesses to be considered what's called Edim Zoymimin. Edim Zoymimin means a situation where the witnesses are deliberately lying to make the person guilty. So if you have three witnesses, and two of them are being honest, but one is lying to falsify the witness, to falsify the testimony, they're not judged as Adim Zomamim. Adim Zomamim are receive whatever punishment they're trying to get the other person to have. I Meaning if someone makes up this false story to say that Reuven served idols for which he will be stoned to death, and it was realized that really this, this, this is a fabrication, this is a setup, this is an allegation, you're trying to cause Reuven to be killed by stoning, then you, these false witnesses, should be killed by stoning. But that only happens if every witness in the group is false. And they all then become this group of false witnesses who receive this punishment. But, Rashi's saying, they become a group. So if you have four people or three people, doesn't make different, testifying, and two of them are false, but one of them is not, then it's not a group of false witnesses. It's some false witnesses in a group. So therefore, none of them get the punishment for false witnesses. Just these people that are false in this group, they're disqualified from being witnesses in the future for anything, unless we can clearly see that they repented their sin. But to get the punishment for false witnesses, every single one of them in the group has to be falsely witnessing. The next verse. The hand of the witnesses will be put on him first to death, and then afterwards the people. The next verse. If a matter of judgment will be hidden from you between blood and blood, between verdict and verdict, between affliction and affliction, and you have a dispute, you should go up to the place that God chose. Whenever it says the place God chose, it always means Yerushalayim, Jerusalem. So the literal word in Hebrew is ki pole mimcha, if the matter will be hidden from you. So Rashi explains that the root word of ipole means separation. So this is separated in that it's separated and concealed from you. Between blood and blood, between impure blood and pure blood. Between verdict and verdict, between a verdict of innocence and a verdict of guilt. Between a affliction and affliction, between an affliction that makes the person impure and affliction that leaves the person pure. Whenever there's this dispute, which Rashi explains means that the sages of the town are divided. They, they, they're not coming to... Uh, a unified judgment. Then you should go up to the place of the base of Mikdash, the temple. So Rashi says this shows us that the temple is considered higher than all other places. It says go up to it. Next verse, 9. You should come to the Kohanim, Levim, and to the judges who will be in those days. You should inquire and they will tell you the word of judgment. So what does it mean the Kohanim, Levim? So Rashi says it's Kohanim that come from the tribe of Levi. To the judge that will be in those days. That seems like an extra necessary phrase. Who will be in those days? So Rashi says, even if you look and say, ah, he's not like the judges used to be, you know, these modern judges. No, you have to listen to him because this is the judge you have. So you have to give him the same respect and the same attentiveness. The next verse, you should do according to the word that they will tell you from that place that God will choose. Will choose. You should be careful to do according to everything they will teach you. Next verse. According to the teachings they will teach you, and according to the judgment they will say to you, shall you do, 
You should not turn from the words they will tell you right or left. So Rashi says on these words, right or left, you have to listen to them completely. If they tell you right is left or left is right, you got to listen to them. So how much more so if they tell you right is right and left is left. Next, and the man who will act with willfulness, meaning deliberately, not listening to the priest, the coin, who stands there to serve God, that man shall die and you should destroy the evil from the Jewish people, and the entire nation shall listen and fear, and they will not act willfully anymore to willfully transgress the words of the judges. So Rashi explains, it says the entire nation shall listen. So from this we see that they wait. In other words, this person is going to be killed. But they wait until the next holiday from the three holidays that all the Jews come to the temple and then they put him to death then so all the Jews will be affected. Now this is a very unusual law to delay the execution of someone because in general we... The person is, I mean, people who are in general executed. But when there was an execution, it was carried out immediately after the verdict. But here, this is such a huge thing, uh, a God forbid, a, a rebellious sage, that we wait that all the Jews should experience this and be impacted by it. And this is the Chumash of today, Sunday.